go up and Hey guys. Hello. Hello. I gotta get the book. That's not dirty. All right. So it might just be us, but we actually have technically one more minute. So I'm gonna see if anybody else jumps on. How is your baby squirrel doing, Yuko? Oh, I wish I could have kept it. Oh, wait, I think you might. Are you muted or am I just not hearing you? Oh, there we go. Oh, um, actually, we dropped her off at the volunteer. Oh, good. Animals, because I don't have any knowledge how yeah. to raise that infant. So. That's so sweet that you took in that squirrel. I would have done the same thing, but it's like, I was just so, I like, take so... Like sweet that message. I was like, oh. <laughs> but to be honest, you crossed my, uh, you know, you and your minor birds crossed <laughs> my mind. And I really debated, should I just leave it here? You know, because I can yeah. pass on bacteria to her or she can pass bacteria to me. Right. It's a little bit grotesque. Mm -hmm. No, I can't do that. So thank you so much. Oh, well, thank you for saving yeah. her. At least she'll have a chance. It was so adorable. Yeah, I if I lived in the mainland, I would totally have like a raccoon, yeah, and a squirrel, <laughs> <laughs> and all the critters. I'm sure. So yeah. <laughs> all right, oh, we're gonna get. What's I, that? I, I uh, found a baby squirrel yesterday, so she's talking about that. I think ah, Teresa's in the emails. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you guys oh, are. Sorry about yeah. that. <laughs> you both are in the um the gratitude. Okay list so yeah you're all you're all getting yeah the each other's i love how everybody's talking on yeah, those. Me too. I love it's that so community. sweet to get the feedback so yes. thank you how did you guys like chapter 20 through 25 
I had so much hard time reading this chapter. I, I couldn't focus that much. Yeah, some chapters so, will be like that. So I tried to read again and again, same mm -hmm. thing. It took a little bit more time. Alrighty, well, I have my little summary here. So I just condensed it as much as I could because I know it's, it was a lot. But um, so chapter 20. Um, 21. 21, yeah. I'm sorry, 21, yeah, that's where we are, 21. Mm -hmm. So finally, Yukteswar feels like Mukunda is well enough to travel after he got that Asiatic cholera that was in the last chapter. And, he, and he's like, it's finally time for Mukunda to go to where he's been trying to go all his life, right? He's been trying to reach the Himalayas. Now he finally gets his master's blessing, like, let's go. And, um, and he agrees to go with him, too, and a small group of friends to Kashmir. So the trip is riddled with comments and experiences that Makunda will remember later in life as Yukteswar's clairvoyance. Um, you know, he like has some visions and stuff. The group ends up going to an ancient temple dedicated to Swami Shankara, where Makunda gets to go into this ecstatic trance and sees his future headquarters in Los Angeles, for example. So he has this vision of creating the headquarters that he will create later on in life. And imagine for him, like just being born in India and like raised in India. And then he's being told he's going to be like this person that takes all of this to the West, you know, and like little does he know at this time that the book that he's going to write about his experiences now will have such a big impact on the Western world and our view of like yoga and what that means. Um, I was just Googling some stuff this morning and, you know, Steve Jobs was a big, was big into this book. It was like the one that he gave, it was the only book on his iPad when he died and wow. everyone that came to his funeral wow. got a little box and in the box was a copy of this book. So it was just, it's just kind of cool, but there are a lot of people that have, you know, changed their life and really evolved their yoga practice based on this book. And for him to be, we, for us to be reading his story about, his life prior to coming to the West and what led to it. It's just, I don't know. It kind of gives me chills sometimes. Um, but in uh, back to the, the summary, Yukteswar ends up getting really ill in Kashmir after Mukunda returned to Surampur. And Mukunda attributes his illness to the burning of others' karma as part of his work on earth. So alleviating the sorrows of mankind by transferring disease to himself. And it, it's a process that they say only a self-realized master can do. So you can't take on someone else's illness or disease. Hey, Olivia. Um, Hi. You can't take on someone else's illness or disease unless you're a self-realized master. You're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to take on another person's karma. But a master, self-realized master is allowed to do that. And this also reminds us of Jesus Christ, right? The story of Jesus Christ dying for our sins and suffering for all of our sins and taking on our karmas. Um, is the same kind of concept um, as what Sri Yukteswar is experiencing as illness in his body. So he's sort of sacrificing his own temple for the temples of others, taking on those karmas. Mukunda explains that a true master is one who can enter samadhi at will and attain immutable bliss. And Mukunda is sad over the emancipated condition of Yukteswar's body, but the master is pretty much in good, um, in a good mood and and cheerful and notes that he can now fit into smaller undershirts than he had worn in his previous years. So um, he stays pretty upbeat and, and happy about his experience. So um, 
see if I wrote some other notes in here. If you guys have any thoughts or comments on this chapter, let me know. Uh, his description of cashmere, is, it, it makes me want to go there. Right? I know. I've, I've always wanted to go more now than ever, right? Since we can't travel, we're like, now we really want to go. We're like Makunda wanting to flee to the Himalayas right now. Yep. It's just um, amazing how he right. describes it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. Let's see. I have a little note here from when I took my classes on this, and it says, Shreve Deshwar takes others' karma um, to sort of eat it up for them, to, um, to take it for them. And I have in quotes, it's like Superman jumping in front of the boomerang. So our guru, if, when you find a guru, can be that for you, can be that Superman that jumps in front of those boomerangs that you might have sent out in your last lives that are coming back to you and maybe would have such a strong impact, you know, negatively on your health or your experience or your life. And the guru can be one that steps in front of that boomerang and takes it for you. And then Christ's crucifixion, Jesus dying for the sins of all, taking the karmas of um, his close disciples down through the ages. Um, let's see. All right. Unless you guys have any thoughts or feelings on anything you want to share for the next part, we can move to chapter 22. Um, I just wanted to say, I like the strawberries when he spit oh, the strawberry out. Yeah. And he was told that years later in the West, a woman's going to prepare them for him with cream and sugar and smash them. And then it happened. Right. Um, and the smile came on his face. I just, I thought that was neat. <laughs> yeah. I like that part too. L years later, she would like mash them up. Be like, they're kind of sour and she'd mash them up. And then he'd be like experiencing that in the, in the West. It's pretty cool. And the cigarette where, um, what was his name? Didn't smoke in front of his elder. But he was going to sneak, he was going to have his cigarette behind him, and yet his master knew what he was doing. Right, right. <laughs> yep. For me, um, I didn't, until I read this book, I didn't know that how yoga philosophy had so much similarity with Christianity. So it was very interesting for me. I knew some uh, concept of Buddhism and yoga. Uh, yoga philosophy has some common sense because both came from India, but I never imagined that Christianity um, and um, uh, yoga has, you know, something similar. Right. And I think a lot of people don't realize that like, just the crossover that I feel like this book allows us to open to in all like religions and spiritualities. It's like, the underlining theme is, is like a lot of unity out of this book. You get a lot of like talk about Jesus and all the other, you know, and you know, like when he went to the rock thing and he's like, Oh, I won't worship that. And, there, and then he's told like, no, like you worship everything, like God's in everything. And however, you know, it's organized from one area to another, it's still sacred. So yeah, that just, that speaks to me more than like, a specific path whereas like some might be drawn to one path more than another but for me I'm just drawn to like 
just general spirituality. And I feel like after this book, I could walk into any temple or any church or go to any spiritual teacher and just draw what I needed from them and just feel that spirituality wherever I go. And that's, that feels good. And that's, I think, something that I definitely got from the book. So chapter 22, for some reason in my notes, I decided for whatever reason to combine chapter 22 and 23 together. So I'm just going to read and um, I didn't actually separate. So I'm just going to go through what I wrote down. Um, so at a shrine in Dakshinswar, Mukunda is transported into another divine consciousness as he tries to help his unbelieving brother-in-law, Satish. So the stone statue of Kali comes to life and speaks to him. And upon rejoining his sister, Roma, and Satish, they are miraculously served a feast, much to the cynical Satish's surprise. Satish is transformed by the experience and goes deeply into the study of self-realization. Years later, although Satish is suffering from a serious illness, Roma decides to die at his feet as a devoted Hindu wife. Although Satish becomes completely healed from his own illness, he decides to join her dying from unknown causes. Mukunda is obviously now having some of the effects on people that earlier characters had on his younger life. So he has had the experience now of this transformation several times, this like um, samadhi experience several times, and he seems to be mastering the technique of getting into this state. So he's growing, like he's evolving as a yogi. Um, and as Mukunda's college graduation approaches, he outwits his doubting professors by passing his final exams without putting his name on the papers. Because of his devotion to spiritual matters in lieu of the studies, he has earned the title of Mad Monk by his schoolmates. And Yukteswar asks Mukunda when he plans to sit for the AB exam. And Mukunda is upset that his master would ask this um, of him. So much of his time has been spent learning at the Hermitage rather than studying. Yukteswar tells him to ask his busy roommate Romesh for guidance. And for days, Romesh miraculously teaches him the exact information that the exams require him to know. Even when he has made a tactical error that should have caused him to fail, he finds the university has lowered the requirements and he still passes easily. I just think it's funny because it's really not about academics. It's, it's, it's like, oh. he's like cheating his way through the AB and like just scraping by. And it's like, his focus really isn't in like gaining. It, it's really in preparation for like our standards in the West ultimately. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, these checklists that he's going through as far as schooling is just because um, Yukteswar knows upon his arrival to the West, like for him to be respected, he has to have these, you know, check marks on his, you know, uh, in his, in his life, he has to have the school, he has to have the AB exam, he has to have the degree. And so we can see here, like he's really scraping by, um, the one area in which Ramesh did not help him was philosophy, but Mukunda filled the pages with his master's teaching and disregarded his textbooks. And Mukunda feels thoroughly guided in the process by spirit through Ramesh. Mukunda feels the degree was a divine gift given his academic deficiencies. So he's, um, 
he's passed and he's passed pretty much by the grace of God, literally. So that is my summary for chapter 22 and 23. I'm not sure. Did I get both chapters there? I feel like I scribbled down stuff and I feel like, did I get them both covered for the most part? Okay. All right. Do you guys have any thoughts or questions about? I figured out only 22. Say that again. I figured he was 22 when he got his degree, how young he was. Oh, okay. I don't, I didn't have that written down. Why did I just, wasn't he born in 1915? Yeah. And I just, 1893. Yeah. I didn't do the maths. I'm glad you did that. I never really knew that. And the other thing I'm, I keep fixating on that makes him human or make maybe it was all staged that way where he's always questioning, you're making me take this exam to, you know, just makes him human when you're reading this. Right. I think that you're, you're right. It makes transformation. Mm-hmm. It makes it believable because like for us, I think this book is made for like the modern person, right? It's made for us today and we have a lot going on. If we were just reading about some guy that was just so willing to just do everything and not questioning and not having any doubts or reservations or like hesitations on like what his master was asking, we might be like, well, that's not me. Like I will question everything, but just his doubting and his questioning and that does make it more believable and make him more, like you said, human. I agree completely. Um, yeah. Let's see. Plot dropping. All right. All right. So chapter 24 I have... So becoming a monk of the Swami order. So his father, Mukunda's father, wants him to become a railroad executive, of course. But Mukunda asks his master if he will make him a monk instead. And Mukunda reflects that his married friends always lose sight of their meditation and spiritual quests. And he cannot put the Lord in second place in terms of his love. So Yukteswar makes Mukunda Swami in a non-ceremonious procedure. And Mukunda chooses the name Yogananda. So this is like where we start to be able to call him Yogananda. Um, believing bliss through divine yoga. It's the meaning of his, um, his name. And Indian monks take a vow of poverty, chastity, and obedience to a spiritual authority. And his name indicates his formal connection with one of the 10 subdivisions of the Swami order in India. A Swami's life is one of selfless, um, selfless, unbiased service to humanity. The title of Swami means one who seeks to achieve upon or achieve union within the Sva. So S-W-A meaning self. So we talked earlier, we said, what is the definition of yoga? And and the master definition was the union of um, the individual self with the universal self. So basically union with God. And um, and that's what the Swami is. Life is selfless, unbiased service to humanity. One who seeks to achieve union with the Sva or the self. And that's the capital S self. Yukteswar was both a Swami and he was a yogi. 
yoga being the science of mind control and the ability to neutralize the alternating waves of consciousness. Paramahasana Yogananda explains the steps of the eightfold, for eightfold path and describes a number of ways in which one may lead a yogic life. And I have Carl Jung endorsed yoga's ability to satisfy the West's requirement for scientific proof, as well as the religious requirement of a, of a psychological discipline. He feels yoga is the perfect method to fuse mind and body for transcending consciousness and foresees its discovery in the Western world. Speaking long before his time, Yogananda recognizes that humans must liberate our mind energies lest the atomic giant turn on us in mindless destruction. So a little bit of talk about yoga and, you know, Carl Jung and his beliefs and um, scientific proof because they say that yoga, the process and path of yoga is a science, which is something that can be tested. Um, so they never say like, just believe yoga. They say, try it for yourself and see what happens. So um, let's see if I have anything else to say. Anything particularly stand out for you guys in this chapter? His cloth was the white silk that was dyed um, with the natural clay pigment or something like that. Again, that was another thing that in India would have been, it would have been cotton, but beings in his plans, he was going to the West, um, mm -hmm. silk would have been more appropriate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's just being set up, isn't he, for his big move to, I think this, I think this book was ultimately like his path all along, like coming here, opening up the headquarters in Los Angeles and in the East coast and in Southern California and creating this book and just making him most acceptable to us here. I mean, he learned to speak English so well. He wrote this book, you know, and I think that's just so amazing. Like for him who barely scraped by in all of his studies in India, and then we, we'll get to the chapter soon, but where he just starts speaking English. It's like, that's amazing. <laughs> How did you do that? So very cool. Chapter 25 is cool. You go to Japan in this chapter. So hearing a clairvoyant message that his brother Ananta will die, Mukunda's grief takes him on a short trip to Japan. When he arrives back in India, he learns that his brother has indeed died. Um, Mukunda's sister Nalini was unusually thin and he and Nalini's husband joked over her skeletal experience. However, she wished to be healthy, and although she and Mukunda had not been close as children, she asks for his blessing and his healing, which he gives. Within a month, she has reached the same weight as Mukunda, and her husband falls in love with her again. <laughs> Upon his return from Japan, Mukunda also finds Nalini gravely ill with typhoid and not expected to live. Mukunda declares that in seven days, her fever will be gone. However, her legs were paralyzed. 
Mukunda seeks help from Yukteswar, who says she should wear a pearl next to her skin. And within a month, Nalini was no longer paralyzed. And although she was told by doctors she would never bear children, she went on to have two, da two daughters, as predicted by Yukteswar. So although Mukunda's spiritual power is starting to grow, he still does depend on Yukteswar for healings and guidance, um, as grave and important as his sister's paralysis is. So it's not like he's fully moving on his own and like making, calling these shots. He's still got his guru there to give him further guidance on these things. So it's also interesting that such an evolved person would have a petty negative relationship with his own sister until adulthood, right? But Makunda does not try to make us think that he is anything but human throughout this book, which you mentioned, Olivia. So it's kind of funny, like what he was teasing his sister about how skinny she was. Like, look at this. He's just like a brother, you know, like a sibling just teasing his sister. So um, the science of Kriya Yoga becomes known in India due to Lahiri Mahasaya's influence. So the science of Kriya Yoga has been around from Lahiri Mahasaya, who remember is, was Mukunda's parents guru. Um, and a yogi who practices the, this technique is freed from karma or the lawful chain of cause and effect. Lahiri Mahasaya was given the ancient method by Babaji. So we get to hear about Babaji. And Mukunda states that this method has been used by saints throughout history, including Jesus. By offering one breath into the other, the yogi brings his life force under control. In addition, meditation helps the yogi bring the mind under control. Thus, Kriya Yoga is mind and body discipline and control that always that allows the yogi to commune with the universal life force. Says St. Paul was able to switch life current to and from his senses daily. The devotee, by merging his consciousness into spirit, can appear to be dead but is fully aware of his body. Yukteswar felt the human condition could be quickened through Kriya Yoga, which mentally directs one's life energy up and down and around the six spinal centers. Mukunda states that a half a minute of Kriya Yoga is equal to a year of natural spiritual growth. Mukunda notes that Kriya Yoga is not simply a breathing exercise, but it mathematically related to consciousness. We are yogis when we are asleep, releasing ourselves from bodily identification. He emphasizes that Kriya Yoga can speed up the human evolutionary process of attaining cosmic consciousness, freeing us from the ego prison and allowing us to live in the soul. In a sense, Yogananda is suggesting that we are God and that whether we evolve by centuries of rebirth or through Kriya Yoga, we will eventually claim our status and realize that we truly do have control over life, death, and rebirth. It also seems safe to surmise that Kriya Yoga involves an extreme level of oxygenating the body so that it can remain breathless while we soar at the soul level. All right, so that's what I wrote down for that chapter. That was a lot, I know. Let me know if you have thoughts about anything I just talked about or the chapter, any highlights? Actually, I forgot to read the chapter 26. I only read until 25. So. Oh, wait. Wait, I think okay. we were going... We went to do three to four. I'm sorry. We were going to 25. Oh, okay. Did I go past? 
Did I go past? You and go went through 25. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we were just doing 21 to 25. And then 26, 26 covers the science of um, Kriya Yoga. Oh, okay. Maybe I merged it a little bit. But oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, All I right. <laughs> yeah, you were only supposed to go to 25 this week. Next week, we'll do 26 to 30. Um, so there we have a little description of Kriya. You had asked earlier, mm-hmm. Yuko, like, what is Kriya? And when I reread this every time, I'm like, man, I need to, I need to get me some Kriya yoga. <laughs> um, and you can, you definitely can. If you were to go onto like yogananda.org or something like that for Paramahasana Yogananda's site, um, it, it's called the SRF, Self-Realize, Self-Realization Foundation. Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah, you can, um, I think, or something like that. You can, you can actually get the free lessons. I think oh. they offer oh. like audios. They'll also send you free like literature on it and guidance on it. Uh-huh. Um, I never did find any videos and I just can't tell you why I haven't yet really sought that out more. I have no idea, but um, I did at some point, I've been many times to the Encinitas headquarters and picked up stuff there, but um, but you can get quite a bit of, of information from their site and the the Kriya Yoga that Yukteswar taught is now taught by Yogananda's disciples and followers that still run these headquarters. So um, you can also get recordings of Yogananda like talking and singing and chanting and stuff. So actually, I I played that. Oh, you did. Day. But in a failed sleep. Oh yeah. Uh, so he doesn't, have, His he voice doesn't is- have the best uh, singing voice. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's coming from him, so it's cool. It's cool. Yeah, he was. Stuff. But um, but yeah, you can seek that out if you're interested in just like hearing it and like seeing what it's all about. But um, mm. it's not going to be your traditional like hatha yoga. It's it's a lot of breathing and different movements, repetitive stuff. But the purpose is like we just read is to just like, I mean, what did it say? How many minutes is equivalent to a year of spiritual growth? So might just dabble in that. And, it, and I like that they referenced that Jesus also did these things. I mean, if you research it, I can't remember where my sources are on this, but Jesus Christ actually meditated himself. And at some point um, for whatever reason, they took that, out of the Bible. Um, We had a long discussion about it in the course that I took about when and where and why the whole topic of meditation was removed from the Bible. And I do remember that one theory was that someone felt threatened or they felt threatened that we would be able to reach God consciousness all by ourselves without the church. And the church wanted us to feel that sort of like the power of the church, like it was only through the church that you could experience God. And so by giving everybody the guidance to meditate, we would be able to access it on our own. And so that was edited out at some point, which made sense to me and my understanding of like religion and power and control the masses. Mm -hmm. There's always that kind of theme in historically, at least in religion. So um, yeah, so I thought that was pretty interesting to read about as well well i didn't know that but i'm glad that now meditation is coming back to western world yeah or, yeah 
Definitely. And also you see it more in church too, because I've seen so many like churches that are offering yoga and you don't, you wouldn't see that a while ago because it would, I mean, and there's still groups that won't accept yoga as part of something that they would offer in a church. Um, Mm -hmm. Of course, it's not like everybody's accepting of it, but you are starting to see some openness and recognition that it doesn't have to be something that's, you know, going to take you away from Christianity or take you away from God, but actually help to support you. So um, I thought that was pretty neat that you're starting to see that more and more. Well, this was a a much quicker session. I think our sessions are getting quicker and I'm not sure if it's that I'm kind of just figuring out how to do this or what. I remember our first one was like an hour and a half and I was like, holy moly, hour and a half. And then I know our last session lasted an hour and I thought that was fast. And then this one's 30 minutes. So I was like, whoa, 30 minutes and we got through our five chapters, but hey, we can now move on to our the rest of our Saturdays and get back to reading because <laughs> next week we are doing 26 uh, through 30 and um, oh yeah yep I hope you guys are enjoying the book we're actually moving pretty well like we're gonna we have a, we have some more weeks obviously but like I think there's 40 chapters so we're like halfway there already yeah and you can feel like you completed this book and understand it and share it and go back and read it again if you want <laughs> and I like that how he's summarizing um other yogi's ideas like 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 this uh, chapter 24 yeah, you know, uh-huh. he was talking about Patanjali, and I read oh, his yeah. book. I tried to read his book last year, and I failed because it was too complicated for me. Mm-hmm. To, you know, uh. but then in here, it's like a cheat sheet. He was summarizing all the eightfold path of where I failed to continue reading, and I was like, oh, I should have just read this one. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I really like. Um, there's a lot of translations of Patanjali sutras mm-hmm. out there. There's so many, and I've only come across a couple that I really like. Some of them I'm like, oh no, I can't do this. But other ones that I've like ones I've chosen for my teacher training, I've mm-hmm. um, enjoyed those translations. It just depends on who's translating. Um, but I can send you some of the ones that I use for my teacher training if you want to ever dive I, I into some good ones. Because I remember you were posting uh, Patanjali's book a year ago or so. Mm-hmm. You were reading at the beach or something. And I think I was reading that version in Japanese. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. I, but I didn't. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, there's a couple that are really good. Right now, I think I'm using... Um, what am I using? Well, we were using How to Know God, which is translation oh, no. of the sutras. No. Not the one I'm using anymore. I've no. passed that one, so I'm not sure if that was the one you saw, Yuko. The one I, I use now I is... I have it right there. I, I, I tried to read it again. Your it's yeah. still there. Yeah. The one I really like is... Uh, is it Satyatanan? No. I'm not remembering off the top of my head. I'll send you guys a picture of it. Um, oh, but great. it's it's the one I really like right now. So, I'll is share that, that the one that's part of the teacher training? Yeah, yeah. Of the yoga sutras, I do believe. Nicole Nicole Brockman. Yeah. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like the way he puts it and the little exercises at the end that make you contemplate and think things through and so on. So, 
All right. Well, it was so good to see you guys. I'll flip my camera and I just realized I've been just sitting here. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> I'm really here. I'm not just a voice. Good to see you guys. Have a wonderful Saturday and I will see you next week. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. See you guys thanks. later. Bye-bye.